0: From the front lines of the Green Rush, this is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey everybody, welcome to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. My name is John Small and I'm the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. And my question for you today is, should you run your company's marketing campaign like a political campaign? And our guest Philip Stutz says absolutely, and he should know from whence he speaks because Philip is the founder and CEO of Win Big Media. He has over two decades' experience working on political campaigns for both parties, and he's contributed to over fourteen hundred election victories. That's a lot of victories, including three U.S. presidents. Now he's got a new book. It's called The Undefeated Marketing System how to grow your business and build your audience using the secret formula that elects presidents. And in the book, Philip shares his five-step marketing formula that is used by winning presidents and successful companies to help grow your business. And I thought it would be really interesting to bring Philip on to talk about how you can apply his marketing system to your cannabis business. So Philip, welcome to the show.
1: All right, John, good to be here, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm super intrigued with the cannabis industry. We've had a lot of people come through our company. A lot of them fall off the radar very quickly. This is going to sound probably very familiar to you. <laughs> it is.
0: To me and to people, people listening, for sure.
1: Feel like it's a gold rush, and they quickly realize it's a long term commitment and play in the industry and the best are the ones are the ones that make the most money and succeed and and have the best products. And so I'm sort of fascinated. We've had, again, a a lot in the CBD, a lot in the cannabis industry have come through. um, Yeah. And then 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 disappear. (laughs)
0: What's that? And then they disappear. They come through, and then they suddenly aren't oh, there dude, next week. I got great. We, I got lots
1: of stories today. So we we'll yeah. tell lots of stories, whether it's politics or, or uh, on the business side. But yeah, it, it's been an interesting run, and I'm super excited about what you're building. I think it's uh, it's where it's one of like the five main industries that's going. Crazy, and again, that doesn't mean it's easy. And everybody listening here knows that, right? Uh, I think so many people jump into this because they go, "Oh, it's easy money." And you know, as you've learned from reading my book, I I say there's two types of people that are in business: the interested and the committed. Yeah, politicians are committed because they either win or they're out of they're gone and and i think you could probably say the same thing about the cannabis industry which is you've got a lot of interested entrepreneurs and you'll have a lot of committed and the committed are going to be very successful
0: yeah no i think that's interesting you brought that analogy between politicians and and green entrepreneur and entrepreneurs in the cannabis space i think you know and i'd love you to kind of draw some more parallels there like when you you know work with a politician they have to have more than just like an opportunistic sort of value. Like I just want to be, I want to, I want power. I want to run this state or what I want to run this. What is it that, what are the similarities that you see and, and how can, can you explain that a little bit to me?
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. Um, and I try to tell every business owner this, and I I would tell you the cannabis industry is probably no different than any other industry. You have, I I say there are two types of business owners. Like I just said, committed and interested. The interested are the ones that chase shiny objects constantly. They can't commit to anything. And ultimately they just have failures after failure, after failure. And then they may have one little bit of success. But they can't. They can't stay focused on the success. They can, they keep going down these right. weird rabbit holes that don't give them anything. And and you find this in politicians a lot. You know, I always say the politicians that tell me. I don't need to raise money because I'm. My, what I'm going to say is so important. And you mm. go, oh, boy, Here they're, go. They're, they're never going to. like. I'm sorry. You you don't like to. Ha, I always say this. I really don't care what people's politics are. And I really don't care what you believe in the system or the rules that we have. I'm telling you how it works. Yeah. Right. So this isn't a judgment. It's that in politics, if you want to win, you're going to at least it's one of the core pillars. You're going to have to raise money. You just can't just run out there and think anybody cares about what you, you know, what you're So there's a little similarities,
0: but we can kind of jump in, I'm sure, a lot more. Yeah, we'll get – I'm sure you're going to see a lot of similarities. What is – what makes your approach so unique? You know, like what do politicians do that companies don't, or at least the politicians that work with you? What are they – so
1: the, it's a really good question. I don't talk about this a lot. I, I talk, I did write about it a little bit in the book, but no one really asked me that question. But w- what happened was, I've been in working on political campaigns since 1996. Hmm. Yeah, I, like you said, I've been a part of 1,433 election victories, including wow. three, including three presidential wins. And so. A couple years ago, you know, you, you, you're you going to laugh at this, and maybe people out there will laugh at this if they're of our generation. I think when you get to like 38 to like 42, you you sort of have a midlife crisis in life, and everybody kind of has it. And sometimes it's major, sometimes it's minor, but you you kind of question, like, where am I going for the rest of my life? Because the whole your whole life of, of, until you're about 38 is like going up a roller coaster. You're just going up, you're ticking up the roller coaster, and then you hit this... Forty, this average forty agent, and then all of a sudden you get to the top, and you go, "Oh shit!" because you look at <laughs> down, and you're like, "This is all there is." This the is same it? thing, yeah, right. And some people go out and buy Harley Davidsons, and some people start cannabis businesses, and some people, you know, go cheat on their wives. And, and I just said, man, I want to go prove. The formula that we have in politics, and and go build businesses that in the in the same mechanism in the same way we build politicians and political campaigns, and that's really was my midlife crisis. And that I'm 47 now, so this is about seven eight years ago, and uh, I had a rocky road at the beginning. Uh, I didn't really have a systematic approach to the way we were approaching businesses. We were just running a bunch of political tactics into uh, corporate marketing. And trust me, it was wild. We had a lot of people that loved it and it worked for a lot of businesses, but it didn't work consistently. And we had landed one of the biggest clients ever. They were an eight-figure supplement company going to nine figures. Mm -hmm. And they came to us and they said, we're fascinated by how politics works. We think, you know, this... This ability to market us like politicians would be super unique in the marketplace. And I said, "Let's go do it," and we started having a lot of success for them. And then one day they asked us to run a campaign on their most successful supplement. And they wanted us to run an Instagram campaign on it, and I said, "Sure, let's go." And so we got professional photographers and we took pictures of the supplements and you know and made it look great. And then we mocked up a bunch of ads and then we we showed it to the business owner. And he looked at us and he said, "You don't get." My business, And I went, excuse me? Like, what are you talking about? And he said, Philip, if I put a picture of my supplements on Instagram, it would ruin a logarithm that I have spent five years building. Mm. You have a human in every picture or you're dead. How do you not understand that? And I went, oh. My God, I'm so sorry. We'll we'll fix this immediately. You know, uh, this won't happen again. Let me get. I'll get back to you in in two days, and we'll have this all fixed up. That was actually the last time I ever talked to that business center because he ghosted me.
0: Mm, that
1: was and it. I I literally locked myself in my office when he ghosted us, and I went. I got to figure this out because we're having great results with some people, but co- inconsistently. And so I I literally wrote a question down in my notebook, John. I wrote down. What is the formula? What do we do exactly in political campaigns that can apply to businesses? And then the second, the follow up to that was like, is there a formulaic approach? Well, there is. And the fact is, is that nobody in the political marketing or advertising industry has never laid out that approach before. It's just inherent. Mm. It's just five-step system that we all use, all professionals. There are a lot of (laughs) amateurs out there that don't follow it. But if you're running U.S. Senate races and governor's races and and presidential campaigns, you absolutely follow this five-step system. And so I mapped out each of those steps. And then I said, how could this apply to businesses? And then about two weeks later, I emerged from the cave. And I went to my team and I said, every client of ours right now, you need to get in touch with them and tell them that we are not going to be working with them in the way we have in the past anymore. And I said, we are going to follow this five-step approach and I've got to prove this theory of mine. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard because our team had happy clients. And then you're going to up upend that, what they're doing and tell them, hey, take a risk on us with your money, right? But they all did. And, you know, here we are, you know, five years later and every single client that has worked with us since that period of time that has followed our five-step system has grown their business every single one the five-step system eliminates all the risk of the business owner not the marketer it eliminates the risk of the business owner to make sure and ensure that they have success in their marketing and in an age now where every business owner is like apoplectic about marketing like every the marketing tools change the the principles change the logarithms change everything's changing every five minutes We figured it out in a way that the business owner can win every time, as long as they're committed. Trust me on this. I've had a lot of businesses come in and they go, we want that five-step system that works for everybody. I go, awesome. It's hard work. You ready? And they go, oh, yeah. And then like a month later, they go, hold on. This is hard. (laughs) I'd rather have the shiny object. I I need the get-rich-quick pill. And I don't have a get-rich-quick pill. I have a get-rich-the-right-way pill. And the ones that are committed are the ones that grow. And the ones that are interested are the ones that really don't survive very long. And it's funny because I've talked to so many in the cannabis industry and, and I feel like there's a lot of interested. And I do know this, the ones that we, we've worked with that are committed, man, they're growing like crazy. So I understand a lot of this. And so the, I guess there, therein lies sort of my concept. And yeah, I'd love to know from you, like how you see this uh, from your industry, you know, especially.
0: Well, I think you know what, like you're saying, there is a bit of a get rich quick mentality among some that enter the cannabis business. They 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 do see you know we talk about the green rush and we talk about it here. You know, Mm -hmm. there is money to be made, but I think everybody who enters the cannabis business, every single person that I talk to, no matter what business they've come to, say this is the hardest thing that I have ever done in my career. Right? (laughs) There, There is that is the hardest industry they have ever tried to penetrate. And it really is a a question of who, you know, a great idea can take you so far. But, you know, who has the patience to really endure the hardships and the downside? And if you're going to really commit marketing time and dollars, you want to do it right. That's why I think something like your system is very valuable. But it also, you know, when I read through your book you know you you it is steps it's not here are five things you need to do it's actually steps and you can't skip the steps you can't go to you can't start in step 3 and then go back to step 1 like you act step
1: 3 that's where they get screwed up
0: <laughs> they, a lot of people start on step 3 and we'll talk about the specific steps one thing that i thought one thing that is the root of everything that you do is data like you are a data wonk you are all about data um and i don't think enough company leaders, uh, people who run companies, whether it's cannabis or any company, spend enough time doing the deep dive into their data of their customers, right? And and you probably agree with that, right? And it seems like that is such, that is really where we start.
1: There are no accidental uh, companies in this world anymore. I'm sorry, they are just not. The ones that are succeeding are either the ones that have VC money behind them, private equity money behind them, or they've got personal financing behind them. And I don't mean that you're screwed if you don't have money behind you. I think anybody can, listen, I have no VC. I have no equity. I personally have funded all five of my businesses. Uh, My wife wants to kill me for it, but (laughs) I had personally funded all of them and I have no debt. And I've built it into we're we're approaching sixty million dollars in in business in the last six years, and we'll hit a hundred million in the next two years. And I did that without any outside funding, so I certainly appreciate that. But the reason I bring that up, especially in the cannabis industry, is this: it has nothing to do with VC or private equity. But I use that as a uh, as a marker because all of those investors are relying on data and analytics and they're playing money ball with their businesses. Mm -hmm. They're not taking chances. They're eliminating risk along the way. And so the reason we've been successful on the corporate side is because we're playing money ball with marketing. We're not sitting around like 99.9% of marketing agencies and saying, man, this cannabis company is awesome. Let's think of a great brand and then, or some ads and some messages that will really work for them. These are all guesses. And what I'm doing in the way that I'm obsessed with data, and we can going get into what I mean by that specifically. Yeah. So I think when people understand how I look at it, it's going to be very, very, very eye-opening. But the, the way I look at it is that is a totally idiotic way to market a business. The way to market a business is to have a very clear understanding of what your customer wants and what they need, not from, we know what they want, we know what they buy. No, I'm telling you, there is, there's a money ball approach to this that's vastly different than anything you've ever thought about. And the point I'm ultimately making is nothing that comes out of my company or my shop helping other businesses is guesswork. Mm-hmm. We know exactly what the customer wants. We know exactly what platforms they're on. We know exactly how to talk to them. And the reason we know that is because we've invested in more data than probably any other marketing agency in America. And, I, and you know, if you want, I'll walk through what that means. Because yeah. Because I think it's... Important.
0: Yeah, please do. I mean, that sort of takes us right to step 1, which is really take a deep dive. You say a deep dive into your target customer, your target market. What do you mean? Like and and when I hear that, you know, I think, oh, is it Google Analytics? Is it like what are we looking at and talk to me about how a company might do that.
1: So, here's how I I I did it, and then we can talk about people that don't have money how they yeah. can do it. The way I've done it is this. I realized the importance of data and analytics five years ago, and I said this is the backbone of everything that's going to work in the future in, our, in marketing, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be the dominant one in the marketplace. So I went out and created a partnership with the largest data collection, analytics, and AI company in America. Hmm. In our database, the database that my clients work with, we have 240 million American consumers, 550 million plus connected devices. We're tracking 10 billion with a B, 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. And so if you have a customer list, I can overlay it online and I can track these people's movements. If you have a website, I can put a pixel on your website and anybody that comes to your website, if you're selling cannabis, there's a reason they're coming to your website. They're not coming to buy clothes. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to know what they do, where they go, why they purchase things, what, you know, all of these different things, right? So I can tell any business owner the top three values of their customer. Kind of an important, yeah. I, I, it's amazing. And that's just
0: be- referencing, cross referencing your database that you have with the
1: activities of the, we're we're tracking the movements online of this customer base. Let's say you don't even have customers, right? We can build a modeled audience in our data, right? So you tell me the exact uh, specifications and target market you're trying to go after. And then I can tell you everything about that particular market. I can do it geographically. I can do it nationally. Right. But I, you know, you can literally lay out a hundred things you want to find. And I bet you I can find about 90% of that. And so, my point ultimately is, is I can tell you the top three values of your customers. Pretty important in the way you talk to them and message to them. I can tell you the social media platforms they're on in a chronological order and if they're purchasing things on those platforms. So for, let me give you an example. I think I'm going to try to intertwine a lot of stories in here. The chair that I'm sitting in right now, if this is video, you'll see it. If it's audio, you won't. Uh, if it's, it's an office chair, and this was a Shark Tank company, and they came to us, about six months ago, and they said, hey, we're getting a lot of uh, venture capital money and we wanna double this company in the next two years. And we wanna have a better understanding of our data. And the owner of the company read my book and all that stuff. So I said, let's do it. So we invested in this data project for them. And we overlaid all their customers online. And then we put a pixel on their website to track their website movements. And by the way, when I put a pixel on your website, I actually can take out any of your customers. So we're only going to look at people that aren't purchasing. Wouldn't that be interesting to know what your why your customers buy from you, but then why people come to your website that aren't buying yeah. from you? There's a massive gap that we find every time we do this. So cool. But anyway, and when we went in and did this data, one thing we found with this office chair company is that Facebook was the number five performing platform, social media platform, except they were spending 85% of their ad dollars on Facebook.
0: Mm.
1: The reason being is because they hired a company that only does Facebook ads. Right. So is that marketing agency, that Facebook marketing agency, are they ever going to tell the office chair company, you know what? Our platform isn't the best for you. We're not gonna spend any more time or money on your platform. No, that would never happen. They're making money. Right. I don't have a dog in the hunt of the social media platforms. I have a dog in the hunt and what the customers want, because I come from politics and I'm obsessed with voters more than I am politicians. Mm -hmm. I want to know what moves voters, what gets them to vote for an unknown or even an unsavory candidate. Like that's fascinating for me, Mm -hmm. like a sort of a social science perspective. (laughs) Right. Right. And and so what I'm trying to do is be obsessed with the customer or in the B2B business, the, the client, we can do it on the B2B side as well. And then we're able to, I'm able to tell you the the online publications they read specifically. I'm able to tell you the TV shows they watch specifically. I'm literally able to tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about your customer. And the reason that this is step one, John, and why it's so important is because you need to know your customer before you do anything else. You need to know their perspective. I, let me tell you the, the, another mistake people make. It's called the founder story. Man, I've I've been guilty of this a million times. I love to tell a founder story. Hey, this is how I found my business. And this is what we're and this would you know, and I'm sure you've done it with oh, with yeah. your businesses, right? We love to tell the founder story, and I'm no different. But what if in the data I found that your customer only cared about 25% of your founder story. Hmm. You continue to talk about the 75% on your website and interviews and your ads, whatever it is, about the things they don't care about. Or would you take the 25% that they're super interested in and may move them to buy? And would you optimize and start building out between on the 25% that you know will work? Right. That's what I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with figuring out what will work, what moves, and what is going to break through the clutter? Because here's the craziest stat I'm going to tell any of you guys today. According to Forbes, and the, again, I, I, you saw this in my book. According to Forbes, we are seeing up to 10,000 ads a day online and offline. 10,000 ads a day. You thought the cannabis industry was was uh, crowded. Yeah, It's 10,000. You're not competing against other cannabis companies. You're competing against shoe companies, hat companies, glasses companies, you know, shelving companies, uh, floral companies. You're competing against 10,000 companies a day. You better break through the clutter. And how are you going to stand out? Well, I'll tell you how you stand out. You speak directly to the customer on what they care about most with your product or service. And that's what I've become obsessed with.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So I feel like we have two different types of people that listen to this podcast right now. There's the companies, maybe the multi-state operators that have a budget to work with a, Company like yours can really have marketing dollars to spend, and then there is kind of like the mom and pop type entrepreneur, and they might have to do some of this themselves, right? Uh, without the help of being able to put a pixel on their Facebook, although you can still put a, you probably anybody can yeah. put a pixel on their Facebook <laughs> page, right? But where is that data? Let's talk to the person who can't afford you for a minute. What, uh, what, where is that data available? Like, it's I think we we don't realize how much data is
1: really at our fingertips right uh, for the people that can afford it's actually not that expensive so what happened is we were doing this data i, I pay a half a million dollar licensing fee a year
0: mm-hmm.
1: for access to to this data now it's just raw data we turn it into something extraordinary and so we were doing it for fortune 200 companies and we were charging them between 100 and 200 dollars for one data report right and i went to, and i went to the our data partner and i said you know what this needs to be accessible to people that can't afford a six figure data purchase we we need small businesses in this because this is going to be a game changer and they said yeah you buy the licensing fee then you can do whatever you want with the raw data and so now we're able to charge at roughly between 7500 and 10000 per report hmm. to look at three demographics so that could be age group You know, geography. It could be look at your entire customer list. It could be a customer list, a a website pixel, and a a lookalike audience. Like there's a thousand ways you can skin the cat, but I basically have taken that down and get allowed small businesses to get this data, the same data that companies like Disney. Amazon, Hershey's, TurboTax, David Dallas Systems, which is a Fortune 200 company. These are companies that are paying over, they're paying six figures for this data. And I can do it for about 10% of that, for literally reduce the cost by 90%. Oh, wow. And so if you think that that's too expensive, I get it, I understand, right? We work with a national pest control company and they had, then they came to us, they they dominated the market for years and then they weren't dominating and they couldn't figure out why. So they said, hey, we want to look at our customer data and figure this out. They had actually, over the previous two years in the Southern region of the United States, they had spent about $2 million on marketing and they had lost one point, or no, I'm sorry, I did this wrong. I said the numbers wrong. They, they'd they spent $1.8 million on marketing. They lost 2 million in market share. Mm. Right? Wow. I said, so, how much was 10,000 to get it right from the beginning worth to you?
0: Mm.
1: Right? How much is 7,500 worth to you, depending on you know, how, how much you want to look at? So my point is is that, like all good smart business people, you have to invest early on to get it right and eliminate risk. And if you're unwilling to do that, I put you sort of in the interested category, not the committed category, right? So, but if you say, look, I don't even have $10,000, then you got to be scrappy. Like, like I was in my own companies when I had started my companies with literally, I started my com- my first company with a hundred thousand dollar loan. And again, we turned that into over 60 million in less than seven years. And so the way you have to be scrappy. How do you do that? You're right. You can put a pixel on your website. It doesn't cost you anything. You can get that data and you can track it. You can go to, like you said, Google analytics, Facebook analytics. You can run tests and see what people are buying and what people aren't. You can do mail survey or, or MailChimp surveys to your customers and then incentivize them to take it because no one's no, no customers. He's <laughs> can going like, take a survey. Oh, really? A survey. Can't wait. Yeah you can actually look at the things that people are buying the most and then go to those customers and say, hey, 10% off your next purchase of this particular product that you're buying all the time if you fill out the survey and tell us X, Y, and Z. And so there are scrappy ways that people without money can go and figure out how to get better data to understand how to you know, shape, form, and focus uh, their marketing going forward.
0: So once you do that, once you go and kind of start to identify step one, take deep dive in your target customer. Then you want to start building a strategic marketing plan, right? You're not putting into motion yet. You just want to start building a marketing plan. And one thing I thought that was really interesting that you say in your book is that, that the biggest lie is that every business should use digital marketing, right? And I and it's just like that story you just told where like, you know, somebody thought, oh, I, you know, I got to do Facebook. It turned out that Facebook was the fifth the fifth, it was like not even on the radar of a lot of their target customers. So, how do you come up with that strategic marketing plan? How do you know? It's again, it's data, right? It's trying to figure out where your customer is.
1: Yeah, here's the deal every business owner, when they come to us, they fired multiple marketing agencies sometime in the lifespan of the business. And it's because I go, what have you been doing? And it's all tactics based. Mm. If you're a good business person, you start out and you build a business plan for your business. Well, it's the same thing for your marketing. Why would you do anything different? Why would you just run out and spend a bunch of ads on Google and Facebook and all of these things? I mean, again, you can guess right. I'm good. That, that happens. Absolutely. But why would you want to even do that? Why would you risk the capital you're putting into your business and get that wrong? And so for us, before you do anything else after you get the data is you got to put a plan in place. And that plan can be what are the messages that are going to work? Who is the market we're going to target? What's the timeline we're going to do it? What's the budget? How do we want to get to our ultimate outcome as a company and meet the vision of the company? It's got to have a real strategy around it. And, you know, you know let, let's, go to the, let's go back to the chair company, the office chair company, right? And, you know, the, the interesting about thing about them was in the strategy plan that we looked at, I said, I'm not eliminating spending money on Facebook, but if you knew Facebook was the fifth performing platform, then why would you put in 85% of your dollars there? Maybe it needs to be 20% of your dollars and then spend the other 80% in more effective platforms. The number one social media platform for that company was Pinterest. Hmm. Pinterest is predominantly women, but women during the pandemic went back to work, but they worked from home and they were buying office chairs. And they were on Pinterest. Why were they spending so much time on Pinterest? Because have you heard, let me ask you this John, uh, in the world of data breaches and social media can, and, and you know cancellations and wokeness and all that stuff, have you heard of anybody being canceled off Pinterest? <laughs> no,
0: Pinterest is definitely like the sort of like gentle <laughs> giant. Like, nobody's like, yeah, nobody's like, like, "God, God I can't believe
1: Pinterest banned me." Yeah, yeah and that's one of the safest places for, for
0: maybe uh, for cannabis. I wonder for cannabis companies, you know, one of the struggles that cannabis companies have is being shadow banned or banned from big social
1: media platforms. And so what, what I'm just talking about the customer. Yeah, the customer doesn't want to go. I mean, I, I've seen this in my own eyes on almost every data report we've put together for clients. Facebook is still where 80 percent or, or more of eyeballs are. Mm-hmm. People are using it. They just aren't buying anything on Facebook anymore. Mm. they They don't want to give their data to Facebook. They don't want to you know buy an office chair and then the owners say something wild and crazy one day, and then all of a sudden the you know all of a sudden their purchase is going to be exposed, and then they feel like they're going to get canceled. I'm serious, like this is when you look at everything that's happening right now, you know, they don't want, they don't trust Facebook to secure their data. They think they're stealing Mm. their data constantly and they kind of are. And so when you think about it, they go, you know what? I'm not buying thing over there. I'll still scroll the newsfeed, but I'm actually going to go over to Pinterest and I'm going to check out and create, you know, uh, boards and things I like and all this stuff. Now, again, mostly predominantly women, but, They weren't targeting women. They were targeting men and women in all of their ads. They were having a single ad, but men and women react differently to things. I know this is shocking, probably (laughs) going to cancel me for it, but let me give you an example of what I mean. We work with an apparel company that works for the NBA and the NHL. And when we looked at their data, we said, oh my God, they want two different things. Women wanted five-star reviews or third-party validating ads. That's what we found in the data. The most highest performing ads we ever ran for them were the five star ads. and they were the five star ads of actual customers, real customers, not fake customers, or you know marketing customer you know the 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 stupid marketing stuff where people put like, you know, models in their ads and stuff. No, we use real pictures of real people and we put their five-star reviews up and we made it into an ad and that for women, it was the highest performing ad we'd ever run. We knew it was going to be, it was going to perform well because we found in the data that they wanted the third-party validating. I know this is kind of crazy. Women are more thoughtful than men sometimes. I know, shocking, right? Yeah, I know, I know. And so <laughs> what they would do is they would see an ad and they wouldn't just buy it because the men literally would buy after seeing our ad four times. Women needed eight touches in order to buy the the apparel, the the you know, apparel. And so they were more thoughtful. They wanted to do more research. They wanted to make sure before they bought it that it was going to do everything it said it was gonna do. So we had to serve ads that made sure they felt that way. On the men of this same company. Totally different. We actually have invented a concept called comparatizing. I talk about it in the book, but basically it's the concept of the negative political ad, but we've turned it into something that's more positive for the corporate ad. And that is we find a distinction in the data between the company we work with and their competitor. And then we run ads that don't offend anybody, draw some kind of humor, but point differences that make the customer go, ah, ha ha that, yes, I'm loyal to them. So for this particular company, we found out that their customers, mostly men, did not like cheap athletic wear. Hmm. So we said, okay. Well, this, so the company was like a competitor to Lululemon, if that tells you anything, right? right? And so we said, okay. So we ran an ad that said, don't buy your clothes from a shoe company. And then the tagline was just, don't do it. Wow,
0: <laughs> I like that.
1: That's you're laughing. Are you, John? Are you? Are you? Are you, are you did, did that offend you in any <laughs> way?
0: I am upset. Uh, I, I, yeah. as a Nike investor, uh, yeah. no,
1: no, no. Yeah. I thought that was great. That's great. Nobody is offended by that. You're right. right. It's a shot at Nike without saying Nike. Their their customer market. In the, in the the market that we actually targeted for this ad, which is men, they looked at it, laughed, and it drew loyalty to the product we were selling because they didn't like cheap athletic wear, right? And it was also a way for us to group together Adidas and Under Armour and Nike all together. And then, of course, the just don't do it was a great tagline, yeah, right? Smart. And that was the number one performing ad in the history of the company for men. And we got a purchase after four, basically, on average, about four Touches. They saw the ad four times and then they, on average, that's when they bought. And the reason not, I keep coming back to this, people buy for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Women and men sometimes buy for different reasons. And so you need to know those reasons and then market to them effectively in a way that, that resonates for them. So you got to be unique and relevant in the marketplace to the customer from their perspective, not yours. And that's the key to the whole And
0: thing. you can test this. I mean, one of the other steps you talk about is test the the the, the messaging to prove what will work. And you, and you say, you know, this doesn't have to be expensive. You can do low-risk marketing campaigns and ad testing. And, and you re- very much recommend people start small, right? Like maybe, you know, buy a cheap ad on Pinterest. I don't know if you, I don't, I've never used Pinterest. I don't even know how to, how to, how to leverage Pinterest. I mean, you put Pinterest I, I on know, my radar. I'm suddenly I'm fascinated I with Pinterest.
1: Um, yeah, I'm a marketing agency that can help you. Yeah, exactly. Hello. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> well, I'll say this before I get into the test. Uh, so the third step is yeah. is branding. Right. And everybody gets, I'll quickly just run through that and then I'll, I'll go answer your question. Sure. The, the, what every business, almost, get, almost every business gets wrong is they go brand their business before they even understand what their customer wants. Right. So we don't do any branding until we've seen the customer. We've written the plan, and then we start the brand. Now you can say, well, what about companies that already exist? Well, we actually go and help them reorganize what their customers want, not what they just want to talk about. So right. that's how we look at step three. And again, I, this is one of the biggest lies and waste of money in all of marketing. So <laughs> if you're out there and you know you're, you just want to know like, how, how do people get taken advantage of, any marketing agency that says you need to brand first, Before you even have an idea of what the customer data looks like, those people are just in it to make you make a lot of money for themselves. So I don't, good red flag, third, huh? That's a good red flag. Yeah, it's a great great red flag. I can give you a lot of other red flags. I wrote (laughs) wrote a whole book on red flags uh, back in 2018 called Fire Them Now. Right. So, uh, but, but we'll for another eight for another podcast episode. But anyway, so the fourth step is the one you're talking about testing. Look, let let me go back to politics. When a politician decides they want to run for office, 99% of them are not self-funding multimillionaires that can drop $20 million on a race. Just not how it works. You see this in the news, but that's not normal. That's not how it typically goes. Typically, the politician is like the ultimate startup company. They have no money to start and they have to raise a ton of money. And then in politics, we just have to spend it all in nine months, like raise it and spend it all in nine months, right? Millions of dollars. And so one of the ways that we got around this or the ways that we work within this five-step system is we had to do low-budget ad testing based on what we found with voters in the data. And because we didn't have the money, so we had to do it. So, you know, we, we, one of the concepts we do is uh, we do a lot of testing with small, like uh, – graphic design or still, still graphic uh, ads, stuff that you would never click on on your phone. Mm-hmm. But if the ad is so good that you're willing to like, Oh, I'm going to click on this ad uh, that I'm seeing on my phone. Then, you know, it's a really good test ad, but it's an inexpensive way that you can do that. And yeah, again, I, I typically, you know, it depends on the size of the business and how far they are in their life cycle and a lot of other factors, but we typically see, on the step, this is step four, by the way, for everybody, this is the the testing phase. So again, let me tell you where marketers get this wrong. Again, they sit around a table, they brainstorm, and then they go, hey, let's go test all of these ideas. And then they test all these ideas, and they find the ones that maybe work, right? I don't sit around and guess my testing concepts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I look in the data. I know exactly the top 10 ideas that are going to work, and then I'm going to test them because I'm going to find one that blows to the roof. So I'm, I'm not – I want to make sure anybody listening, I don't care if you hate Trump or love Trump or whatever. I'm not. This is not about anything like that. I do want to give an example of one of the things that Donald Trump did in the 2016 election that won him the election. Mm-hmm. They were in the step four, and they would test one ad that they knew – one message they knew would work. They would test it on Facebook, 162 different versions of one ad. Wow. They have a, gre- a green background, a red background. They have a man in the ad, a woman in the ad. They have different fonts, different font sizes. The font would be in the right corner, the left corner. They would have 162 versions, and they could never tell you why exactly eight or nine of them blew through the roof like to such a degree. It told you with absolute certainty that these ads are going to work and 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 get us either raise us money or win over site voters. They just knew it would work, right? And that's why you have to do this testing phase. But they were testing concepts they knew would already work yeah. so for example on the corporate side we work with a uh, with a protein powder company and we you know found uh, 10 different things we wanted to test in this step four process for us and then um, one of the things we two, two things we found in the data one was their customers were 50 percent were ve- uh, vegan vegetarian and uh, we also found at something like 62 or 72 percent now I can't remember but it was like 62 72 percent of the market hated soda
0: Hmm.
1: Like, how in the hell are you supposed to know that if you're just guessing? Yeah, how would you know, yeah. Right, so we did did 10 different test ads for them based on what we found in the data. The top two ads were, number two, the vegan vegetarian ad. And it makes sense. That's 50% of your market Uh, that worked really well. Number one ad we ran was another again. I kind of coined the term called comparatizing. It's a comparative advertising, but it's you know a, a nicer term mm-hmm. going on your competition. But we ran an anti-soda ad, and the reason that's important is none of these customers in this protein powder company were going to be offended at an anti-soda ad. Yeah. None of them, <laughs> right? So we you were ran concerned. an anti-soda ad because I don't like and, soda. And in the testing phase, if I'm just comparing it, just comparing it to the vegan vegetarian ad, which was the number two performing ad we ran for this company, it performed two X more clicks than the vegan vegetarian ad, and it had a 20% higher conversion rate than the vegan vegetarian ad. And the reason is because the data told us these things would work, and the other eight concepts that we ran also worked. They just didn't work to the degree of these. And so now that we've tested and we know what works, guess what we're going to shove all our chips on the table and go market for this company. The the ads we know work. <laughs> There's no guessing anymore. We know they work. And that's really how we work through this sort of five-step system.
0: Right. So we, we've kind of hit the fifth step, which is really the launch, right? Yep. I mean, so, you know, and then and then be, be flexible, right? I mean, by the time you get to the launch period, you pretty much know who your target audience is, what the messaging is that, works the best. you've you've com- compart, what is the word again compartmentalized it isn't it? It's a comparative yeah. comparatized. comparatized. Um, yeah. Um, but you have to wait, right You have to have that patience and the step but between step one and step five, we're talking like if there's a few months in between that, like, right, this, there's no
1: we've really, we really we've begun to to try that. We say this is our manufacturing process and we've got to show, you know, there's a great thing on uh, Michael Dell at Dell Computers who originally it took like 120 days to get a computer made when you ordered a Dell computer, you know, when he started. Yeah. And now it's like within five seconds, the computer mm. is ready and out the door, right? right. And, and I think I'm always obsessed with that sort of manufacturing side. So how do we cut that down? So we typically can get that down to about eight weeks. But here's the deal. It's not, you don't stop Then there, There's right. no gold, pot of gold in the rainbow. We work with, there are four companies we currently work with. One is a, um, a regional furniture chain and they're a 107-year-old company. In uh, the last six months, they've had the greatest six months in the history of their company. Ever. We've been working with them for 15 months now, but in the last six months, greatest months in the history of the company, because all we're doing is playing money ball with their marketing. We're optimizing every single month on what works. We're taking out what doesn't, and we're doubling down on all the things that work, right? We work with a grain-free granola company. Hmm. Uh, The Black Friday, Black Friday in 2021 this 12-year-old grain-free granola company had the greatest Black Friday sales in the history of their companies. We started working with them in July of 2021. So it didn't happen overnight. Right. Um, But we work with a law firm out of New York City. Been around 27 years. Uh, Two months ago, they had the best month in the history of their company. We work with them for three years now. And then finally, we work with uh, this pest control company. And again, uh, in month six of working with us, they had the greatest month in the history of their company. And so these this isn't me. This is a, I'm just eliminating risk with mm. the dollars of the, the business owner and making sure they spend a little bit money up front in order to ensure massive gains on the back end. Some business owners love this approach and some business owners want the get rich quick pill. And I, I don't have it, but I have get rich the right way pill and that's how we approach it. Right.
0: Do you so you said you have had some cannabis companies, CBD companies, come in to yeah. your business. Is there, is, do they face a different set of challenges? I mean, we I think we all know in the cannabis business some of the challenges we face that traditional companies don't face as far as advertising, right? right? I mean, it, you know, this is a this is a product that is illegal federally, <laughs> uh, so you know there are a lot of restrictions on it is there anything advice that you can give to these companies that might be a little different than some, you know, when the more more traditional companies come to your,
1: um, I mean, a couple factors, this may not fit into the box of what they're selling, but I think people want to know it's safe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we live in a very, the one thing we find in all the cannabis data we've been looking at, I trust me on this, I've probably looked at more cannabis customer data than anybody in America. Oh, wow. And and so I would tell you, the like, when we, we've gone through, we talked about this, the, the data breaches, the cancellations, when you talk about COVID and how it's divided the country, like the one factor is that, okay, if I'm going to ingest this, how is it, how do I know that I'm going to get all the benefits and not, and it's going to still keep me safe?
0: Mm, that's interesting. And,
1: and, and, and frankly, it's about trust. Right. Trust is is the biggest issue. So we work with a cannabis company that has a, a really trusting name brand, Right. And so we're capitalizing with them on that particular brand because the data says they, people know the brand and they trust the brand. And then everything we say is you can trust us, basically, and all the ads. And it's crushing for them right now. So that's, awesome. that, that's how you've got to look at it.
0: Okay. All right. So if people want to work with you, Philip, uh, what's the best way to, to- –
1: Look, the, 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 I don't. You, you need. We need to figure out two things. Can I work with you? And you? Can you work with me? But what right. we have is a uh, a free uh, consultation with my team to to for it's called. You, you go to philipstutz.com slash insights. It take you less than thirty seconds, and basically you fill out a form online. Again, less than thirty seconds. But my team will do a call with you, and you can talk about the data you have or the modeled or look audience you want to look at. And my team will tell you what we could see in that data. Where is, you know, where is it regionally and all the things you want. And they can give you a free consultation on how that would look to, to work with us. You don't have to pay for that. Uh, if at that point you feel like it's a good fit and we do too, then then you can work with us. Um, you can also just go to philipstutz.com. Uh, I have a, a marketing insights uh, email I send out every two weeks. And I have a podcast called The Undefeated Marketing Podcast, where, John, all I do is give out free tips. Mm uh tactics that people can implement in their business that we're finding in the data that don't cost you anything. So you can spend eight bucks on my book. You can get a free marketing tips newsletter that that gives you a lot of tips. And then you can uh you can listen to podcasts which is free as well. And I don't solicit anything over there at all. And if, if you find all that valuable, that's all for about eight dollars total. Yeah.
0: Well I do appreciate it. I appreciate that you give a lot of uh, advice away for free. And I think, but uh, you know, and I, and that is appreciated uh, and also smart marketing. <laughs> so uh, build us too. yeah. All right, Philip, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's been fascinating. Lots to digest here. I really recommend Philip's book, The Undefeated Marketing System. Hope to have you back. Man, I'd love to enjoy the awesome. conversation. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. That was really interesting. Awesome. All right. Thanks, brother. Take yeah care. man, nice to meet you. Nice Let to me know meet if I'm you for you, okay? Yeah, I really will. I I have a few businesses and I god, I would just love your services, but you know, I got to figure out which one is the one that I want to invest the most in. Not Green Entrepreneur because that's not a company that I own. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they can spend their own marketing dollars. Yeah, um, no, I get it, man. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you have any podcast clients? Uh, in what regard? like people
1: who have podcasts and want well, to say, you know, um, no, Not really. uh, we, we focused our efforts on products and services yeah. and, you know, we do the data work we do for a lot of influencers and a lot of podcast hosts, yeah. but marketing for them, we've just said, you know what, there are other marketing agencies that do nothing but Podcasts or influencers, they're yeah. probably better than us. And to be honest with you, I just had to be ethical about it. I just don't want to take everybody's money. Yeah. So,
0: you but you do you their know. data analysis. That's interesting. That I would just, yeah. I mean, part of my problem is I just have no idea who listens to my podcast. I don't understand who they are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing. So, all right. Well, thank you, Philip. Appreciate Man, it was nice meeting you. Very nice to meet you. Take care. See, right. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com. Or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, Check out my other podcast, Write About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's writeaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.